0: This is Dr. Mubeen Sayed with one more episode of Long Story Short with Dr. Bean from the FLCCC platform. So the discussion today is about ashwagandha. It is an herbal ayurvedic medicine, has been in use for about 3,000 years in India. And then it is grown in other parts of the world as well. And I'll discuss them. Ashwagandha is used for many conditions. However, what I want to do is I want to present a series to our audience on FLCCC and I want to discuss the anti-inflammatory effects, which could be useful in long COVID or vaccine injury. Then I want to do one more talk about the anti-cancer effects of ashwagandha. And finally, I'll do a talk about the adaptogenic effect or stress management effect. It is the stress management or adaptogenic effect for which it is used the most. And we would discuss that as well. So with this, let's start our discussion. So before the talk, let's look at the references. This is flccc.net or covid19criticalcare.com. So you see a lot of protocols, medical evidence, COVID resources, educational events, webinars, etc. And you will find these talks that I do here in the educational part as well. Now, this is the paper that I want to discuss. This paper is Ashwagandha Current Research on the Health Promoting Activities, A Narrative Review. And if you see here, this is 6 February 2023 is when they presented it. And then it was published on 24 March 2023. So it is within the 2023. Today is July 20, 2023. So within this year, it is a pretty recent article. And what they have done is that they have these researchers have gone over the other materials and put them together, and we will then take advantage of this work that they have done. In addition to that, I'm going to present how does the mainstream looks at Ashwagandha. Of course, this is Mark Manuel. They say that Ashwagandha doesn't really do much, and so it's not offered for any solution. I wanted to put this in front of us so that we can have an idea of what side effects may be of importance for us similarly this is also another publication with one more set of studies i'm going to also use this study targeting nuclear factor kappa b pathway for the therapy of diseases mechanisms and clinical study so this is a molecular mechanism within our cells that is involved in inflammation and promotion of inflammation and ashwagandha modulates this pathway so i'm going to talk about some of the mechanism today using the diagrams and the messages in this study then there are multiple other studies that are present here with the description of this talk as well so let's start with my presentation so ashwagandha indian ginseng indian winter cherry vitania sluggard and vithania somnifera many names for this one some more medical and technical some general now most of the time ashwagandha's root is the actual raw material that is used for medicinal purposes so root is used and the name ashwagandha ashwa and again i'm not from india so i do not speak indian language this is what i'm reading and presenting to you ashwa means a horse and ganda means fragrance so a horse and a fragrance is this the way this medicine is seen in india they call it the king of all herbs as well it's in use for about three thousand years in india now the areas of studies so nowadays there is a lot of research on many chinese and ayurvedic and other cultural and other countries medicinal products for ashwagandha there is a lot of discussion around neuroprotection presented or offered by ashwagandha sedative effects of ashwagandha adaptogenic or sleep effects as well adaptogenic means that helping us adapt to our environment for example if we are aging and we are anxious about our age or our aging process then it can help with that so stress management of whatever are the current circumstances it helps us adapt to them anti inflammatory now In the adaptogenic part, it can actually make a person a little aloof from their circumstances as well. So just keep that in mind, and I'll discuss that more as I discuss about the stress management part. Anti-inflammatory, antimicrobial, cardioprotective, anti-diabetic, possible reproductive outcomes, and then hormonal modulator as well. The active components in this drug there are many, of course. Drug, Ayurvedic medicine. However, there are some that are of interest, so let's look at them. Ashwagandha is characterized by a rich phytochemical composition. So, phytochemicals are plant chemicals. Depending on the location of the raw material, it exhibits a diverse composition of chemical compounds. For example, if you look at its fruit, that has a different composition. The leaves have a different composition. The roots have a different composition. Its active substances that play a crucial role in pharmacological action are vitanolides and alkaloids so these are the two important active substances vitanolides are compounds whose essential structure is that of ergostane which has a six-membered lactone ring at ca to c9 position the group of vitanolides includes vitanoferin a vitanolides a to y vitanon etc similarly the alkaloids are vitanin somniferin somnin tropin and more and if you see here, flavonoids, which include 30 rutinoside, and if you see here, quercetin and others. So these are some of the compounds that are of interest. Now I'm going to go jump right into the anti-inflammatory mechanism. Today's discussion is to present this mechanism, anti-inflammatory mechanism of ashwagandha. So let me also present to you the diagram that I'm going to be using so here is the study this is also recent published 21 september 2020 targeting nuclear factor kappa b pathway for the therapy of diseases and in here i'm going to explain what they're doing but i want us to kind of keep this diagram in our mind and if you see here this last part is where the nuclear factor kappa b dimers or molecules enter the nucleus and do their function most of the time their function is to promote the production of interleukins or pro-inflammatory molecules that would then help promote inflammation. And remember, promotion of inflammation is actually an important process when we are defending against some things. At the same time, promotion of inflammation can become destructive if we actually do not need the inflammation, but the inflammation is being promoted. In that case, anti-inflammatory becomes very important, and here is ashwagandha in that context. The important thing is, if you see here, there are multiple mechanisms that drive down to the same final common pathway of modulating nuclear factor K beta or kappa B. So the out of all of these, I'm going to really discuss these two. And even in these two, if you see there are two branches, one is my D88 branch, and the other one is Trif and rip branch i'm going to leave these out i'm going to leave these 3 out and just really this pathway so let's look at that a very selective part of its function so here imagine that this is a cell membrane this whole thing inside here is the cell and this is outside the cell so now in the cell membrane there are many many kinds of receptors here we are looking at prr or patron recognition receptor Imagine that this cell is a macrophage, and then this is the TLR4 or TOL-like receptor 4. What this is, in simple words, these are the receptors present or honing devices, scanning devices present on the outside of the cell membrane. And these devices, their job is to sense the environment around the cell to figure out what is going on and how does the cell need to respond. So this is why I kind of made it like this hand that it is continuously checking around the cell to see what is happening in the environment. Then if you see here, there is one more interleukin-1 receptor. I specifically put that over here to present the idea that it's not only the pathogens or foreign substances that the cells are looking for. Cells can actually respond to the messages from other cells. So when a cell... And as you would see that this cell, as we'll discuss this, when a cell becomes stressed or a cell is promoting inflammation, it will release chemical substances that will then act on the other cell. So these are chemical messages going from one cell to the other cell. So, of course, the other cells need to have receptors so that they can receive these letters, <laughs> these little love letters. So here is one interleukin-1 receptor that means some cell is going to produce a chemical substance called interleukin-1 and that will float all the way to this cell and then attach with its receptor and then activate various things inside. Now, interestingly, a cell that can produce interleukin-1 may have receptors for the interleukin-1 and so that chemical substance can act on itself. So, that is auto-stimulation or auto-inhibition that is possible as well. So, once again, receptors out here, once they become activated by their corresponding material, for example, foreign pathogens or messages from other cells, then inside here, as I showed you before as well, there are two pathways. There is a protein called TRAM and there is another protein called TYRAP. These proteins are connected on the inner parts of these receptors. So, receptor is outside, then it has a small intramembranous part, that is, it passes through the membrane. Then there is a part that is intracytoplasmic. Usually we call them intracytoplasmic tails. These tails can then be connected with other proteins inside the cell called the second messenger systems and they can take orders and triggers from these receptors and then they can invoke other actions within this cell. So I'm going to leave the TRAM pathway and we would just stay with the TYRAP pathway. So once the receptor is Stimulated, the TIRAP second messenger system becomes activated. When that becomes activated, it activates another protein called MyD88. So, this is like a soccer match going on, and the shirt sizes and numbers are here. So, MyD88 becomes activated. These proteins most of the time have a reason for those numbers. For example, 88 must be this class of protein, number 88, that they found in the cell. Now, when the MyD88 becomes activated, then what it does is it activates this cluster of proteins where you are seeing there are three proteins actually in it this is irac cluster so there is irac 4 there is irac 1 these are then connected with traf6 when the iracs become activated or phosphorylated so phosphorylation means putting the phosphate with on a protein attaching a phosphate to a protein what i was going to say is most of the time phosphorylation activates the proteins but phosphorylation can inactivate the protein as well phosphorylation simply when i am teaching i usually say that this is giving a cell money to do something giving a protein money to do something so once the IRAC is activated what they do is they cause traf6 to become activated and i'm showing this activation by these little lines here now when the traf6 becomes activated what it does is it takes another complex of proteins Called TAB23 and TAC1, and these are activated as well. Now, this TAC1 wants to go and meet this little protein, but in its way is a NEMO. Remember the finding NEMO thing? So, this complex is finding NEMO on its way, and it doesn't want to find NEMO, it wants to find IKK. So, what happens is that TAB and TAC they ubiquitinate the NEMO what does that mean ubiquitination is the marking of a protein for recycling for destruction in a cell the protein destruction or protein disassembly can be for normal physiological functions as here which will not physiological disassembly is usually done through ubiquitination process and it does not invoke inflammatory reaction within the cell So this is equal to, for example, if you have a piece of furniture that you're going to throw out, you know I'm going to throw it out, you know this is a piece of furniture I don't want anymore and you're going to put that out and say free to take or throw it in a trash truck. On the other hand, if there is a piece of furniture that you love and accidentally that got destroyed or it got destroyed one leg of it because of uh, some damage accident to it and now you have to throw the whole thing out, that is a different process that is the autophagy process that is the chaperon mediated or macro autophagy or micro autophagy processes so the cells have various kind of processes which are attached to inflammation or not so if you are going to throw something out that you didn't want to then i'm sure that you are going to complain about that as well and that is equal to inflammation so here we want to ubiquitinate this protein that is we want to recycle this protein to free up this pathway so the tac can go to the other guy And we do not want any inflammation to happen because of this. So these two, TAB and TACs, they ubiquitinate NEMO. The result is NEMO gets destroyed or recycled. And this protein complex, this complex is IKK-beta and IKK-alpha. This complex becomes exposed to TAC. So what TAC does is that it sneaks up to IKK-beta and it phosphorylates that. So if I can quickly show you, if you see, this is TAC. And what it is doing is, do you see this little phosphate? It is attaching the phosphate to this other protein. This is called phosphorylation. When this phosphorylation occurs for this protein, then this protein can decide that am I active or am I inactive? In this case, it will become activated and it will do something very interesting. And that is the following. Do you see this little complex of proteins i intentionally made one of them as a big mommy protein <laughs> a big protein that is holding two small proteins this small protein or dimer dimer means two things these two proteins together p50 and p65 make nuclear factor k a kappa b these are the ones However, normally we keep them inhibited. Imagine these are naughty children that if you let them be free, they're going to go do naughty things and go to nucleus and promote inflammation. So we don't want that to happen. So usually we keep them bound or sequestered by other proteins. So now I want you to think with me for a second. If this big green protein, its job is to hold on to these NFKB. So that NFKB is not activated, then can I say that this protein is the inhibitor inhibitor of NFKB? Right? It makes sense. So NFKB protein dimers are usually present in the cytoplasm bound to an inhibitory protein called IKB-alpha. Inhibitory NFKB proteins alpha. So this is a inhibitory protein. So then I think this is also clear that if we want these two little naughty proteins, NFKB, to do their function in the nucleus, we need to free them. And to free them, we need to remove this big protein, the green one. And how do we remove that? We should ubiquitinate it. So here, when this IKKB phosphorylates this protein, IKB, then this becomes ubiquitinated as well when this is recycled destroyed ubiquitinated then these two becomes free and these two are nfkb they are together called nfkb so what will happen is these two will then run to the nucleus so now these two guys are going to run to the nucleus they will enter the nucleus through the nucleopores and inside the nucleus they would home in to the gene to which they belong or to which they are going to work with, they will promote that gene, they will open that gene and help that gene be expressed. Of course, when the gene are open, messenger RNA is produced, which is a copy of those genes. That messenger RNA, I hope you remember why I make them look like this. We add a cap to the messenger RNA and we add a poly-A tail to messenger RNA This is how the messenger RNA will be recognized in the cytoplasm of the cell for what is the right side of the messenger RNA, what is the head area and what is the tail area so that we can work on it from head to tail. So this messenger RNA will then go through the nuclear pore and come out, then it will go to a ribosome and then the ribosome would translate that into various proteins and many kind of messenger RNAs would come out and what kind of proteins will be produced? Normally, so I have these down arrows here because ashwagandha helps reduce them, but normally when NF-kappa-B, when that arrives in a nucleus, it causes the production of interleukin-12, interleukin-6, interleukin-8, tumor necrosis factor alpha, interleukin-1 beta, interleukin-6, and nitrooxidative stress enzymes. All of these are going to promote the inflammation and promote the inflammatory process and the cell production so how does ashwagandha work ashwagandha modulates this whole pathway that i presented to finally help reduce the production of these interleukins and these chemical messages the result i think that you must be saying that right now in your mind the result will be less inflammation so ashwagandha's anti inflammatory pathway one of the pathway passes through these proteins to end up in producing lesser inflammatory in reducing the inflammatory proteins which in turn reduces inflammation so this is just one picture out of four pathways just one of them how ashwagandha works with nuclear factor kappa b now in the next discussion we'll talk about ashwagandha and cancer and the yet another discussion we'll discuss about ashwagandha and stress so with this, thank you very much for listening in and I hope you liked these little monsters that I drew and I will talk to you next time.